So let's talk about uh, Three-Headed Snake and how this kind of uh, slithered together. How did this band form and everything? Um, I mean, it actually started about close to three years ago. Um, I had reconnected with my original singer, with a singer that that I used to play with when I was like 19 years old. And um, he and I reconnected about three years ago and we talked about writing some music again and uh recording it and you know just for fun just just for us to have it honestly wasn't intended on like we we did i didn't plan on on having it go public or anything <laughs> like that and so he and i reconnected we talked about it i wrote some music and then he ended up getting sick and uh like ended up, he ended up in the hospital wasn't able to to sing anymore oh no and, uh, yeah he had some lung problems and um so I was left with some music, and um, I wanted to find a singer to just finish the songs. I didn't want them just sitting there because they weren't ministry type of songs, and I was going for a specific sound with this. And so um, I found uh, my singer, Johnny, in an ad on Craigslist. No way! Yeah, in those uh, musicians' uh, classified section. Uh-huh. I mean, I know most of the guys in L.A., you know, because I'm born and raised here, so there weren't any guys here that I thought could fit that style you know so I, I was looking at in new york i looked in chicago and then i looked in florida there was an ad and uh it said something like you know singer looking to you know make the next move kind of thing and so it had a, a video link and i almost didn't click it because i was like this is gonna suck <laughs> like all the other ads that i had clicked on right. before i was literally like at home it was like 3 a.m and i click on the link and it, it goes to a video of johnny singing i think he was singing a Symphony X song and he was just like killing it and so I was blown away by it so I reached out to him and I said hey listen you know uh, I'm in this band I'm looking to do this thing on the side it's just for fun and he was interested so I sent him a couple songs and uh, a couple days later he sent them back and one of them was Wisdom Screams it's pretty much almost exactly how he sent it you know to me yeah I just I did very little arranging and editing on it very much in tune as far as what we wanted the project to sound like and uh, that's how the whole thing sort of came about let's talk a little bit about the sound because I was expecting something more along the lines of the stuff that you're kind of known for not necessarily exactly ministry but something (laughs) something more in that world and like the industrial-ish world you know society one and american head charge and and then you come out with this it's like almost like a classic metal sound like going back to like that priest maiden kind of early vibe and it's cool and it must be for you to kind of get to stretch your wings a little bit because you don't really get to scratch that itch in ministry right definitely um that was definitely the sound i was going for because you know it all started with with reconnecting with my old singer you know so this was uh we were in a band together in like 88 something like that so back then you know we were playing maiden you know priest kind of stuff and then there were some la bands that we were really influenced by like warrior and malice and and stuff like that so that was the sound i was i was going for with this project i didn't want it to sound industrial i didn't want it to be an industrial you know project right um i know that the people that know of me know of me through ministry and so of course they're gonna associate me with with that and you know and that's fine but with this it was a specific sound i was going for i think you nailed it man and, yeah. and like i said it must be fun to to get to uh do some some soloing and some different kind of stuff that you don't get to do yeah you know with ministry when i write stuff for ministry ultimately it has to go through al you know and uh he's you know the final word the final say on everything with this like i'm the guy that says you know yay or nay with stuff and uh and it's cool that you know i, I get to make 
all of the decisions, you know, mm-hmm. with, with this project. And, uh, but I mean, a lot has to do with Johnny. I mean, Johnny really made the project because it could have gone either way. If I would have ended up with a different kind of singer, it could have just sounded like a, I don't know, just like a, a, a metal, I mean, whatever other subgenres there are, you know, project. <laughs> but like this, with Johnny's voice, we definitely kept it in that classic metal sound. And that's exactly what I wanted it to be like. Any plans or discussion about touring? Any? What we want to do is do a full length in 2019. Okay. We already have like uh, pretty much close to an album's worth of material. With Caesar, the other guitar player in the band, he's been writing a lot with Johnny as well. So we want to do a full length in 2019. And then we've been talking to agents in Europe, actually, that uh, are, are showing a lot of interest in taking us to Europe in the summer of 2019. I mean, if there's going to be a place where the band is going to do well, it'll be Europe. Yeah, for and, sure. Um, especially like the European festivals. Uh-huh. And, you know, there, there, there are festivals out there that are specifically designated just for that classic metal right. you know, um, sound. So we'll see what happens. I mean, nothing is has been, you know, is set yet, but that's what's in the works. Okay. Yeah, and I know Al keeping you busy and we got some uh, some ministry dates coming up here yeah. in December, Thursday and Friday, December 20th and the 21st at the Fonda Theater. And I got to know from you, super cool to see Alien Weaponry on the bill. Is that yes. something that, I, I don't know, as a fan, I guess we just fantasize that everyone just gets to go, hey, I want to tour with you and you and you. And is that how it works? And, no. and is that <laughs> how did nothing like that? How did Alien Weaponry come about, though? That's such a cool pick. Um, well, to be honest with you, there was another band that was technically the third opener, and something happened where they just weren't able to do it. So Alien Weaponry was just another band. Basically, what happens is um, before you go out on the road, it doesn't really have anything to do with the band members itself. It's really management, booking agents. They're the ones that really discuss openers. They'll run it through Al, and Al will just say, you know, yes or no to whatever. But it, it really starts with management. Carpenter Brute was the first, is our first opener. They been kicked around you know as openers for us for a while and finally just worked out that they're going to do this run and then uh alien weaponry were in the mix you know for one of the bands that was being talked about Mm -hmm. and uh because of that other band you know dropping out they just kind of you know came right in very cool they're really young guys too i think like i I don't think they're even like 21 i don't think no they're all teenagers right yeah yeah because and the only reason i know that is because i think in salt lake city they're not allowed to do the gig that we're doing because it's like a it's a 21 and over show or something so they're, they're not able to do that that show <laughs> thank god they're doing the la show man yeah. definitely looking forward to that and and um you know speaking of ministry i, I guess the obvious question is kind of like take us back to when you got the gig how did you get the gig how did that all come together man this was uh early 2000s my old band society one's booking agent was the same booking agent for ministry so he was one of the guys that initially introduced me to al and then also the late paul raven who uh played bass in society one for a while he was close with al so it was just kind of both of those guys telling al hey you know you should call this guy sin you know he'd be he'd be a good fit for you and um that took several years for it to actually happen um i met al like uh 2002 or three or something like that it was real brief i think i met him at when I meet him at Nam, I think. Okay. Paul Raven, he said, Hey, this is sin, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And, and I was just like, Oh, you play guitar? And I said, Yeah. He goes, All right, I'm going to call you. He goes, Because um, we're going to need a guitar player for uh, the Revolting Cox. It took about two years for him to call. <laughs> and um, finally, he called and he said, Hey, do you want to play guitar in, in Revco? And, and that's how I, I came in. I came in in 2005 as the touring guitar player for Revco. And then uh, during that tour, Revco opening for ministry. And, um, 
I ended up doing that tour and then I was without a band for a little while and then uh, Al called me from Europe and because ministry had gone on to Europe after that US run and he said hey do you want to help me write new ministry music I said yeah so he flew me out to El Paso and that was a uh, late 2006 I think and I've been there ever since so <laughs> trying to get out but <laughs> are there any bands out there looking for guitar players hit me up <laughs> weren't you actually supposed to get out kind of back then wasn't that like the last yes. sucker and then that well, was supposed that to was, be the end and- yeah 2008 so we so so we did the last sucker the record and then that was supposed to be the last tour right I mean we all thought that was it you know <laughs> I mean Al the whole time we were in the studio just kept saying that that was gonna be it and um, you know looking back you he was going through a lot of health issues and some that he didn't even know he had. It was just a bad time and, and he wasn't he wasn't healthy and uh, so he was just over it at that moment. You know, he was like, I don't want to do it anymore. This will be the last run and then that's it. You know, we believed him. Thank God, I mean, his health got better and uh, once it did, his sort of attitude changed a little bit and he felt like he wanted to be out there and, and you know, it's horrible being out on the road when you're not feeling well and mm-hmm. uh, we have to play, you know, if we have a cold or the flu or whatever, like that's one thing. But when you have bigger health issues to be out out on the road is is really tough and not in the most comfortable places and you know not at all you know so um but yeah technically 10 years ago was our last (laughs) (laughs) so we'll see you know speaking of of you know i was gonna ask you if you could kind of humanize him for me i mean like (laughs) we only know of him kind of you know from his stage persona and and what he's done you know on record and his politics but kind of what's he into outside of those things Nothing. <laughs> He's into politics and um, music. That's pretty much it. People, I think, that don't know him maybe think that he's you know, always being political and, and, you know, always, you know, waving that flag. And he has a real funny side to him that I think a lot of people don't know. Like when we're just hanging, you know, we're usually just cracking up about just the most random stuff. Uh, he's very funny and he, and he can be very charming. You know, people just see the Al Jorgensen on the stage right. and, and the, the political rants and all that stuff. But there is a human side to him. And the thing that sticks out for me the most is just his sense of humor. And even when people think he's being serious, he's being funny. And I think oftentimes it goes over people's heads and they don't get it. There's a <laughs> lot of, there's even in ministry stuff, man, that's supposed to be very serious and political. There's so much tongue in cheek in there that people don't get it. They don't see it. And it makes us laugh. Like, we actually talk about that. When you talk about him being funny, is it like him being, like, self-deprecating or, like, telling old stories or... Telling old stories. Yeah. Telling old stories. And just, man, there's just... uh, There's stuff... This is... I can't talk about that stuff on... (laughs) public radio <laughs> i really think though that like he could sit there and do like a whole like spoken word tour and people yeah. will come out and just see i mean he's got stories for he, days i'd imagine he does he does and, and he loves to talk and he's he's very good at it and i thought he did a no maybe he, he was talking about doing some sort of spoken word thing he did a book yeah no i mean i, did, I know he did his book but i thought uh, maybe it was just something that he was talking about but uh yeah he'd be great at something like that you know one other topic i wanted to hit with you something that you've been a part of it's kind of a, a multi-pronged question I guess but I really miss movie soundtracks and I felt like when we were kids growing up there were so many killer movie soundtracks so I guess first prong of the question would be do you have a favorite movie soundtrack that you can think back 
on more growing up and we'll get to the ones that you worked on too because i'm curious about that a little bit but kind of going back and looking in the history books anything that sticks out to you from back in the day your listeners will probably hate me for saying it. my my favorite movie soundtrack is the saturday night fever movie soundtrack <laughs> that's like that's the truth um another movie that i love this and i don't I, I don't even know if they released an actual soundtrack to it but i love the score in uh, the godfather Oh, okay. Like yeah. to me, that that whole just all the music in there—it it just so moody. When you're watching the scenes, you can feel the emotion through the music. Oh yeah, you know. So those those two stick out for me the most. I think. I was thinking more like like when you had the like the collaborations when it was rock and and music. Yeah, no, I yeah, I, I get it. I just wanted to say the ones that I liked. Yeah. <laughs> How about for you? Because you've, you've been a part of a few. You've done a couple of Saw soundtracks. You did the NCIS soundtrack. Like, yeah. talk, talk to me about that process. And well, The Saw movie soundtracks were very cool for me to be a part of. It was the first time I was actually on a movie soundtrack. And uh, I remember getting the call from the music supervisor, you know, asking for songs. But the way that one worked was that they just wanted, they wanted songs that were already in our catalog. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like they said, okay, we want you to write something for this. It was basically like, okay, we're we're looking for a song, sort of this tempo. This is kind of what's going on, you know. So we kind of showed them what we had. And uh, I think the first song that I was a part of for Saw was Life is Good. And that was uh, like the second song I wrote for The Last Sucker. Oh, okay. So it was a song that I wrote. But that one, it just, it goes into music licensing and they just you know take it from there the ncis soundtrack was different in that al and i were in the studio in in el paso the music supervisor called and he said hey i want you guys to redo the actual theme song Mm. because you know ncis the show has like a a theme song like when the show starts and then when it ends so they wanted us to redo that and make it sound like ministry. I remember it was like a conference call and, and Al and I were both there. You know, we hung up the phone and, and uh, Al just looks at me and he's like, all right, get to work. <laughs> and so like he stayed at home when I went into the studio, I literally had to like tear apart the original and basically reconstruct it and make it sound, you know, like ministry had, had written the track. We did it that way, and then we sent it off to them, and, and they dug it, and that ended up on their on the soundtrack. That's really cool, man. Yeah. To me, I wish I had more work like that. Like, I wish I, I could... I really wish that I, I had more soundtrack work in the sense where somebody would have me come in and watch a scene mm-hmm. and then write something specifically for that. Like, that's something I'm, I'm really interested in, in doing, hopefully, in the future. I wish movies would get back to that. Yeah. The, the instrumental, the orchestral right. stuff, and, sure. and the collabs with, with right. musicians and everything. I really miss that. Uh, Just a few last ones for you here. Who was it that made you want to pick up the guitar? Ace Fraley. Really? The Spaceman. Kiss, yeah. It was uh, late 1975, first time I heard Kiss Live. That was it. Are you going to go see this final this I second don't know, final man. tour? I'm, I'm like, I'm debating. I got to see Kiss in 78 when they shot Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> like, I was there. I was in that crowd shot, and they did, like, a mini concert at Magic Mountain. I saw the four original guys in the 70s, and, like, to me, you know, nothing has come close to that. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we'll go see them on this on this tour. Yeah, maybe for old time's sakes. If yeah. it is the last one, you know, knowing Gene and Paul, they'll come back another 10 years <laughs> and wheelchairs and stuff and, you know, still do it. But, I mean, it's a great show. I, I yeah. love, you know, Kiss is always, uh, they put on an amazing show, and from what I hear, they're they're really pulling the stops on this one so it'd be cool do you remember the big four a couple sure. years ago when they made the big deal about the big four not yeah. that this one could necessarily happen but i used to ask people like hey who's your favorite of the big four but take to the next decade and move it into the 90s and add one to it i like to call it the flannel five 
Okay. Not that this could actually happen, but just curious out of the, the list, who, who would your favorite be out of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains? Oh, man. It would be between Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. Man, I don't know. I mean, I like we got to tour with Soundgarden in Australia three years ago on, when we did Soundwave. So that was really cool seeing, you know. And we've done shows with Alice in Chains as well. We did a Houston open air with them about a year or two ago with... Uh, William, Will? Yeah. That their, their William singer? Duvall. Uh, who's great. Yeah. Who's great. I, lo- I mean, I, I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> it might be Alice in Chains. I don't know. I think it would be Alice in Chains. That's my favorite. Yeah. And I, I think in a way they're... I mean, you could never replace Lane, but right, right. but in a way, I like that William brings a second guitar because it kind of makes totally. everything sludgier. Totally, kind of gives yeah, it. he's great, man. I really when bands kind of you know fall apart for whatever reason, and then especially with the with the lead singer, that's a tough thing to sort of replace. What William brought with not only his vocals but his guitar just I think added a whole different thing to to Allison Chains. So a great band. I, I didn't realize, I guess, before how much Jerry sings. Like yeah, he sings, he sings a lot of the songs, man. Yeah, he's a great. Great vocalist as well. And I mean, you can't, you know, can't deny William's afro. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the best part. (laughs) Last one for you. I wanted to give you an opportunity to get social media plugs out. Um, You could follow the band uh, Three-Headed Snake uh, on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, and then ministry on whatever the, I don't know if it's official ministry or something like that. How about for you individually? Mine's official, Sincurin, S-I-N-Q-U-I-R-I-N. And then most important is our band camp because um, you can get, we did a, a run of 100 uh, of those CDs and we sold out of them in about a week. But you can still get the uh, digital download and it's threeheadedsnake.bandcamp.com. Last question for you. Speaking of social media, I'm online Mike Z nine six seven. But curious, who was the last time on social media that you posted and somebody that you look up to responded and you had to be like, oh my god, oh my god, did you see so and so? Oh man, um, is there one that sticks out to you that you just couldn't believe that? I don't. Know. I mean, I don't even know if many people would know of, of of this guy, but maybe when I first heard from John Crosby from a band called Vast. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Visual, audio, sensory. Theory or something. Yeah, I forget that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably that guy. Wow. Yeah. I'm a big Vast fan, so. They played out here, God, back early 2000s. Yeah, they were like a they were like a 90s, 2000 kind of band. And uh, I actually just wrote, co-wrote two songs with him for the uh, upcoming Vast record, which will be out in 2019. Awesome. Well, yeah. good scoop there, too. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for the cool. time. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks. Online at kcalfm.com. Adios.